0: So today is um, an opportunity to come and just again share the Word of God. My my privilege to do so. Um, And it's one of those ones where I started the week having one sermon idea in mind. And over the week, God impressed upon my heart something different. Um, And it's really because of what I see as a trifecta of things. Um, Now today is obviously Mother's Day and we just want to send our love to all the mothers out there Um, and so that's today at the beginning of the week though um, we started with International Women's Day I don't know if you were aware of that it was International Women's Day at the beginning of the week and obviously if you've checked the news throughout the week um, there was uh, the sad news of the kidnapper murder of Sarah Everard and it was these three things that were really coming together in my mind. And I wanted to speak on that because we want to speak what's, in a sense, relevant uh, into the society. We can't be silent on these things. And so this morning I do want to talk about God's heart for women. Um, particularly as I think about the, the kidnapper murder of Sarah Everard, it's interesting how it's hit a lot of people very hard. Um, and it's interesting because it's nothing new. Um, sadly, and that's a sad thing, that it's nothing new. Um, during the week um, at the beginning of, on the International Women's Day, MP Jess Phillips read out the name of 118 women and girls who had been killed uh, by men in the past year in this country. And so it's nothing new, that's you know, two a week at least, of women and girls who are being killed by men. And so, in some respect, to get another new story was nothing new, but it seemed to hit people very hard. Uh, and maybe that's because of where we're at the moment in terms of the, the virus, in terms of lockdown. Perhaps it's because of the fact it involved potentially a police officer, involved a police officer, um, but I think what it hits, comes down to is that at the root of our heart, people want to feel safe. They want to feel valued. They want to feel respected. And this kind of goes against all of those things. And people are speaking out. And again, it's nothing new in the fact that even the last year we had, uh, in the year before, there was the rise of the hashtag Me Too, which spoke out against abuse and people uh, identifying and saying, yeah, this has happened to me too, and we don't want to be silent about it. And one of the the sad things that, again, that's come out this week is a lot of women speaking out against what they've experienced, uh, sadly, from very young ages. And you get the whole range of uh, things that have happened from very uh, major things, such as murder but through to what we might consider as small things, but nevertheless, they're very impactful. And what we realise is that the lives of women have been ruined at the hands of others, and mostly these are men. Um, And I don't think it's something we can be silent about. And I was saying it's not just these high crimes, but there's low-level behaviour that can make women feel unsafe, vulnerable, ashamed, and broken. And I, I... And as I talk about this, there's part of me thinks, do we really need to say this? As in, isn't it obvious? Because this is not God's heart for women. It's not God's heart for women that they should feel unsafe, vulnerable, ashamed and broken. This is not his kingdom way. And so I just want to share some thoughts on this. And there is a part of me that thinks, who am I to share it? I'm not some great champion of women's rights or anything like that. Um, but I think it's important that sometimes some of these things are, are said by men, because often these sort of messages are relegated to women's conferences, which I don't attend. Um, and but we've got to say it because we've got this message needs to be heard by men as well as by women. And so I just ask you if you, we can just spend a moment to pray, because I want to pray i would ask you to pray for me, pray that this is not just a rant, this is not um, just my own feelings, but I really want to pray that God will speak through me, Holy Spirit will speak. And also, I'm very aware of my part. There was that time when Jesus, uh, a woman was brought to Jesus who had committed adultery and there was a range of men around her, condemning her, and Jesus said to them, He that is without sin, cast the first stone. And I know that I would have been one of those men who would have had to have walked away. And so I'm not coming because I'm perfect, but we want to pray in this moment that God's kingdom will come here on earth. So let's just spend the moment just praying. If you can pray for me, that would be brilliant. we come before you that we might hear your voice. Lord God, that our hearts will be broken for the things that break yours. And we pray that your kingdom will come. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to articulate the things that you put on my heart and give us ears to hear the things that you're saying to us today. Amen. And I think as well, just to say there are things that I will not mention because for the sake of time and also won't be able to go into explicit detail on some things. But if you do want to speak to me about it afterwards or anything like that, I'll be really happy to do so. So what is God's heart? And I think we can do this by going right to the beginning of creation So if you do have a Bible, if you want to just look at this verse. Um, Now, first of all, when we think about creation, the creation story, it says how God created the earth in six days. And what did he say after the end of every day? He said, it is good. And so creation came in a place where everything was good, yet there was one thing that was not good. And this was the fact that Adam... The first man who had been created didn't have someone suitable to be with him that was the only part and so I think it's really important even to begin with to think that in all the creation the only thing that made it not good was the fact that a woman wasn't there and so in a sense the completeness of God came when and it became good when Eve came in to that relationship and then it was completely good in Chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And so we realise right at the beginning that male and female are made in the image of God. And again, I want you to let that sink in for a moment, that when we think about what is God's heart for women, women are created in the image of God. Now, interestingly, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, now, in some respects, the image of God is seen in men, in some respects in women. I don't believe, actually, the full image of God is seen in both of us together, because God is so much greater than that. But, you know, when we look at men, when we look at women, we see the image of God. And so women are created in the image of God. And then in chapter 2 of Genesis, in verse 20, And he said, the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper fit for him. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed and so we see this picture that again a man didn't need a servant man didn't need um, you know, people say that the man's best friend is a dog often. Um, but a dog was not sufficient. God saw that man needed a companion, a helper. Um, and that therefore, woman was brought into the world as well. And so we see this picture of creation that is perfect. And they were together and they were naked and they were not ashamed. And so when we think about the heart of God, this is where we picture it. And there's no shame, there's no pain in all of these things. There's no abuse, there's none of this happening. It's in this perfect relationship that God has created without sin. And they were living in that place together. And I think it's really important that we realise that this was God's intention. Now, when we think about this, we realise that there was a man and there were a woman and they were companions, they were helpers, but they were not the same. And I think this is really important. Now, in this church, we hold what is called a complementary position. Now, what we mean by that, and again, I could go into real depths in that, but I won't for today. But what it means is that what we believe is that men and women are equal, but we do not believe they're the same. So men and women are equal, but not the same. Men and women are different. And now, you. You only have to be with a man and a woman to know that they are are different. Now, when we talk about this, I am talking in generalities because there are many ways that um, there are exceptions for men always aren't like your stereotypical male and women are not always like your stereotypical woman. Um, But they are different. Our brains generally work very differently. Our bodies are different, men and women are different. And I think this is part of the beautiful picture of the church. Because again, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about how the church is made up like a body of many parts, each playing a different role. And and each role is essential and important for the the outworking of God's purpose. And I believe that this is the same in this picture, that We are equal. So it's not saying one part of the body is more important than another part of the body. But all are equally important. But all parts are different. Um, And so just, yeah, so men and women are different. I don't know if you needed to be told that, but that is what we believe. But that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. We also have to realise, again, in Scripture it tells us that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so when we come to these subjects, we have to realise that God might have a different way of thinking than the world. And I believe there is a worldly ideology that is being put upon us. And that is to say that everyone is the same. And it alienates the distinction between men and women. And again, I think it's very interesting that it says, back in Genesis chapter 1, 27, it says, male and female, he created them. He made them distinct. He made them different and with a purpose as well. Men and women are not the same. I think there's another worldly ideology, and it kind of gets branded as feminism, but I don't think it really is feminism. But it's actually to say that women are better than men. Now, for years and years through thousands of years, there has been, um, again, an evil to say men are better than women. Women have been subjugated, pressed down, abused, treated badly. And that was evil. That is not God's kingdom. And so I can fully understand why, in a sense, some people might want to get, you know, change that around and say, actually, we're now going to put women on top. But actually, that is just as evil as putting men on top. And so it is not that one is better than the other. But we have to realise that the world will try and put this upon us. But we need to hold fast to what God is saying. I actually believe that the greatest message for feminists in the world today is that of the, the message and life of Jesus Christ. Because actually, when you read the scriptures, when you read the Bible, when you know who Jesus is, he is the liberator of women. Like you see it in the story of Jesus with, with Mary and Elizabeth. So you've got Elizabeth who was the mother of John the Baptist, Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. And they were the central part of that story. It was they weren't just pawns in the, the game of God to bring about men being born. They were central in that story. It's interesting actually that Joseph and Zacharias, the husbands in those cases, were kind of almost side parts of those stories. It was actually the women who were central. And so God wants women to be a central part of his story. We see how Jesus uh, treated women with respect. You think about the woman who came to the well in Samaria. Now she had come at a certain time of the day because no one else wanted her. No one else respected her. No one else loved her. But Jesus came at that particular moment and she said to me, you shouldn't even be speaking to me. For one, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. For another, I'm a woman and you're a man. This is wrong. You shouldn't even be speaking to me. But Jesus treated her with respect. He didn't treat her like everyone else was treating her, but he saw the brokenness she had been through. She had seen the abuse that she had been through and he treated her with love and respect. I mentioned about the woman who was caught in adultery and again the men around her just wanted were more interested in the law being fulfilled and just to say Jesus never broke the law by um by not stoning her because you need two witnesses and everyone else left but just to say Jesus treated her with respect he treated her with compassion and with love same as the woman who came with the issue of blood. He treated her with respect and loved her. And you see this he t- says, he talks about them as daughters and sisters and he treats them with this love. With care, how when he was being crucified, he cared for his mother who was going to be left without a son to, to look after her. And so he, he, he gave that care to one of the disciples. How he cared for Peter's mother-in-law. Again, just small things that Jesus did again and again. How he trusted women, because women were the first to come to the tomb after his resurrection, and he told them to go and tell others. He trusted them with the message of his resurrection. Now, at that time, the testimony of women was not even admissible in court. Women would not be listened to, but yet Jesus wasn't playing the game of his age, of that generation. He was saying, I will trust you with this message. And so, what we see in Jesus was somebody who is completely different at how he treated women. And I think that's good news for for everyone. And there are three areas I want to look at in terms of how we see women. The first is women in society. Um, I think it's worth noting that the work of the enemy is to kill, steal, and destroy. The work of the enemy is to bring confusion and instability And I believe that he does this today by bringing really mixed messages. And I feel we're in a day of mixed messages where there are ungodly agendas being promoted in our society. And the reality is when we don't follow the way of God, we reap the fruit of evil. And so when we look at such a sad circumstance this week with a a woman being kidnapped and murdered, Why does this happen? We ask this question, why does this happen? And I can tell you that if we lived our society as the kingdom of God should be lived, it would never happen. But we mix the messages and we mix the agendas and we bring in ungodly uh, agendas. And I believe this leads ultimately to these things. We look at how women are valued. And maybe you can ask yourself this question, how do we value women in our society? Ultimately, we base our value on how they look, and it's a sad thing. But God doesn't base your value on the way you look; He bases it and says, "You are my child, and you are made in my image." I want to turn you to the book of Peter, First Peter. And this was we did uh, about back in lockdown. We were doing this Bible study on First Peter, and it's one of those awkward. Verses that sometimes come up and you think, Oh, how gonna people react to that? If I could actually find it. There you go. First Peter chapter three, verse three. And he's talking to, to women, he says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle. And quiet spirit which is God's sight is very precious and so we see this contrast that again the world is saying actually it's about how you look it's about the clothes you wear how you do your hair the, you know your adornment and your beauty is purely external now there's nothing wrong with being beautiful there's nothing wrong with making an effort in how you look things like that but the trouble was that people were gaining their value gaining their worth from what was external and they were putting all their effort into what was external rather than what was internal and God is saying and we know this God says I look upon the heart that's one of the key things he said about King David he said I look at the heart and God is looking at your heart he's not interested on the on the outward shell as much he's saying I look at the heart at the hidden person inside and that is what is beautiful and actually I'll be honest with you that When a person is beautiful inside, that is what comes and radiates radiates outside. You can meet somebody who can have all the exterior, but if they're not beautiful on the inside, that quickly will show through. So God's heart is saying, let's not focus on the outside. But again, the trouble is in our society, we do this. And as men, we need to stop sexualizing women because our value, again, is not in our sexuality, in sex appeal. And we see this, again, on, on a range of scales, from, from small things that might happen to, to large things. Obviously, on one end, you have things like pornography, um, but then you can go on a very basic level, uh, things like glamour magazines or clothes magazines, or just how we talk to one another. And we need to change this. Now, I grew up in the 80s. And now, if you're a child who grew up in that era, 70s, 80s, um, it's funny. Now, if you actually watch back a lot of the television that you watched, that would it would never be passed today um, on the sexual side of things because there were so many things. And now, I remember watching um, programs like Benny Hill. Now, I'm sure if you were raised in a good Christian family, you were never allowed to watch any of this kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, things like... And there were so many programs that it was all classes just a bit of fun. It was all just a bit of fun. Um, But you realise that this is a seed of a lie that the enemy sows into our our hearts and into our attitudes. And now we're coming to the the point in our society where we're saying, actually, it's not just a bit of fun to wolf whistle at somebody, to, to smack them on the bottom or something like that. Because, again, and some of you will be thinking, how on earth does anyone think that's okay? But there's a point where a lot of society still does. And this is what I'm saying about the, the agenda of the enemy is to sow these seeds in. It's just a bit of fun. Because, again, with men in our society, often they'll say, you know, it, it's okay to do what they might call window shopping. So you can go around, you can look at women, you know, as long as you don't touch. Um, you know, as long as you don't do anything, but I can look at women and objectify them. There's another phrase that says, what stays in Vegas, oh, sorry, what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. So this idea is, again, as long as the person doesn't find out about it, then it's okay. But again, we realise that Jesus was completely different to this. Jesus said, if you even look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart even if you just look on a woman to lust after her. I'm not just saying looking to say, oh, you look nice today, but to actually have lust, which is about taking something from that person. Because when we lust after someone, we steal something from them. And not only that, if you're married, you defile your marriage. There's a scripture that says, let the marriage bed remain undefiled. And we need to be pure in our relationships, and that's the kingdom way. We need to see women as our mothers as our sisters as our daughters i think it's an important thing that if if someone is not your wife then don't treat them like a wife in terms of that kind of uh, sexual sexualization of them so we need to realize that our value isn't on the external but comes from the internal and we help that process by not sexualizing women I think another side though is that we also need to respect one another and and this is maybe more for women because again I'm very aware that men will treat women in a certain way but also women treat each other in a certain way and judging one another on how you look how you dress um, what you do and oh did you see her hair did you see this did you see what she's wearing did you see what she said and actually gossip undermines women and i want to challenge you because it breeds insecurity and we don't again the kingdom of God is not about insecurity we should be encouraging building up and supporting one another in love and what about strength how do we see strength the strength of women in society there is a message again in society you know well we're strong we you know we can do anything And the Bible says, again, a really challenging verse, that it says that women are the weaker vessel. Now, again, some women will hear that and be like, what, no way, that can't be true. Um, But there's truth in it. Just again, physiologically, there is truth in it that men are generally, okay, I've seen women who could knock me out. I've seen women who could, you know, who I, I, I maybe should be afraid of. Um, but on the whole, I n- I've never met a woman that I'm physically intimidated by. Because generally I know that I'm stronger than, again, as I say, the majority. And so there is a truth in this, that men are stronger than women. And I believe, again, this is God-given, that God has made, given us strength to protect and support women. God has given men strength to protect and support women and never to abuse. And I think, again, one of the reasons that there was such a reaction to the murder this week is because, as a police officer, that man was given the strength to protect and to serve, but he used it to abuse. And so we are to use our strength to protect and support. And this leads me to think about marriage, and that's the second... Uh, area that I want to just mention about women in the home and again this is something I don't think you think I should never have to say this but I'm going to say it just in case there's any doubt that a woman should never fear her husband a woman should not fear violence from her husband a man should not hit his wife or cause physical pain upon her I don't know, again, I'm saying it shouldn't have to be said, but maybe it does. It's not right. If a husband has to use fear to lead his home, then he's not being a godly husband. That is not God's way. In fact, we read God's way in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is God's way. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He sacrificed himself. He went to the cross and we sang so many songs this morning about Christ's overwhelming love for us and how he gave himself on the cross for us. And that is the the way of God. And that is outworked in the big ways, as i 'm saying obviously don 't be violent against your wife because Christ would never do that to us, but also in the small ways so obviously today is mother 's day, so I was trying to do all the good things, even though my wife is not my mother, but i 'm um, trying to show my boys how to treat their mother well, you know with buying flowers, buying a nice breakfast, things like that but then it 's the small things that I was doing this morning it 's funny as I was thinking about this, you re- realizing the small things such as putting the toilet seat down, rinsing the shower out after you get out. Um, Just when I shaved this morning, just to make sure all the hairs are not left around the sink, small things like that. But even shaving, taking care of how I look. Now, interestingly, I don't know if you even noticed this, over a couple of months ago, my beard was growing quite long and um, I quite liked the challenge of growing a long beard. I thought this might be good. And Louisa said to me, I hate that. Shave it off. Or uh, cut it down at least. Because I said, well, shall I shave my beard off? And she said, no, you dare shave your beard off. And, and so I trimmed my beard to suit my wife. And it's interesting because John spoke a couple of weeks ago about we don't idolise our wives. And we don't worship our wives. We don't, we're not just there, I'm here to please you. Do whatever you want. Uh, do whatever, I'll do whatever you want but we're here to love our wives, to please them and to just to show that compassion to them in the small things and in the big things. That is Christ's example and how we should be to our wives. But it's not just husbands in the home, children. If there's any children listening this morning, one of the the ten commandments, so if you think the top ten rules is honour your father and your mother. And we might over that but I found it very interesting that in a day that was very patriarchal where it was all about male leadership that it said honour your father and your mother not just your father because it just said honour your father and everyone would have said yes very good but it actually said honour your father and your mother and so children you are to honour your mother the scripture also talks about how we are to be towards widows so if there are widows in your family, that you are to care for them and to love them. I think it's also worth saying, just to end this part, is that the home is not a woman's place. Now, again, I grew up in an age where there was a lot of jokes about, you know, the place of the woman was in the home. It was kind of transitioning out from maybe the, the you know, 50s, 60s culture uh, into more women's freedom. And there was, so there's a lot of jokes around that. Um, And maybe we don't joke about it in the same way now. But I wanted to make it clear that the the home is not the woman's place. Get back to the kitchen. That's what the jokes used to be. Um, But equally that it can be a place where a woman thrives the most. And I think that's at the heart of God's purpose, that God wants thriving. And for some, that is to be a wife and a mother, to be a homemaker. And that is where God will lead them and where God will thrive. And I've seen it both ways where some women have been almost made to feel bad because that's what their their desire is, because they want to do that. And equally, women who have gone out to work have been made to feel bad. And again, so I think we want to encourage and say, the home doesn't have to be the place for the woman, but it can be. And see where God leads. And so that leads us into the last section, which is, Women in the church. Um, I think it's worth stating that when you read through the scripture, the the biblical approach to women has always been revolutionary. Now, that's not to say everything that happens to the women in the Bible is good, and there are some absolutely horrendous stories of things that happen to women in the Bible. But when you see God's law, when you see God uh, saying about the way Jesus treated women, even how Paul uh, talks about women. It's revolutionary in the culture that it's in. And so I think it's worth knowing that. If we read in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28, and it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, apparently, there used to be a prayer that Jewish men would say, and they would say, thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. And that was their prayer. And so Paul, I don't know if he was directly kind of coming against that in this verse, but he was saying, actually, there is no superiority in the kingdom of God. There is no hierarchy in that sense of because, again, that men were deemed to be special, particularly, therefore, Jewish men were deemed to be special, the, the chosen ones of God. But Paul is saying, actually, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, we are all equal children of God, which goes back again to say what I was saying before, that we are all equal. There is not men are better than women in the kingdom of God. And so Paul is saying this, so getting away with that kind of idea of... See, superiority but equally as I was saying we are all equal but different and when we read about the spiritual gifts I believe again that all the gifts in the bible are there for women that they can use those gifts and they operate in those gifts and and actually realizing that because we are all one and again I don't in my mind it doesn't even compute that this should have to be said but for anyone out there who needs to hear this The promises of God are there for women just as much as they are for men. The forgiveness of God, the faithfulness of God, all of these things are there for women just as much as they are for men. And so we move into the picture of these gifts. And I believe that our church, I think we do pretty well. I'm sure we could do it better. But again, we see women in ministry. We see women speaking. We see uh, women leading ministry groups in the church Uh, We see we've got female trustees. Um, All of these things that we want to encourage women in the church. Now, maybe you don't feel encouraged in the church. And for that, we can only apologise and say we wouldn't want any woman in this church to feel that they cannot operate in the ministry that God has given them. And if, again, happy to talk with anyone to kind of bring you into that, to see what we can do to support you. With that, though, I do want to share that, obviously, and again, you may or may not even be aware of this. But in this church, we do believe that eldership is male. Um, now, we believe that after we've gone through Scripture to look at this. We don't fully understand it. Um, why? All the reasons why. Why? Um, Personally, I actually believe that male eldership gives a godly covering to the church. Um, But we do believe that. And so there is one area that is, in a sense, out of reach for women in the church. But what I would encourage you to do is to not get transfixed on that. And that's my hope, that you don't come out and say, well, I can do all things, but there's one thing I can't do, so that's the problem. What I would encourage you to do is seek God. Because actually, what I believe is if you will seek God and be led by God into the ministry that God has for you in the church, that he will break through barriers, he will break, give you opportunity, and you will come to the place where you are most fulfilled because you have been led by him. Just as I've said to men in the past, it's the same applies to women, that if you struggle to elevate yourself to a position you will continue to struggle because you're doing it in your own strength. But I encourage you, follow God because if you follow God, he will make a way for you. Obey him and he will open the, the doors of opportunity. And it might be in this church, it might be in a different church. Who knows where it might be? It might be in the workplace, it might be, you know, anywhere in the world. Well, I want to just come to an end, coming into land. I was thinking about this last night, that in the end, the only answer to evil is Jesus. Because when we look at how women have been treated, when we look at even the fact that we need an International Women's Day, I don't believe there would be one in the kingdom of God because women wouldn't feel the need for it. When we look at murder and abuse and all of these things, it's evil, and this is not God's way. And Jesus is the answer to evil, whatever form it comes in. Jesus is the answer to evil. And so, for all of us, I would encourage you on three things. One is that we submit ourselves to the King. Because actually, can you imagine what it, this society would look like if every person conducted themselves? As God told them to do do you think these things would happen no they wouldn't but we don't people don't submit themselves to the king and so I encourage you this morning to do so and to follow his ways that's my second thing follow his ways at the moment I'm just reading at the beginning of Deuteronomy in my daily reading and it comes across again and again and again where God says I have given you the law if you will obey it if you will follow me you will be blessed. You will come into the land. You will come into the inheritance that I've given for you. So we submit ourselves to God and follow his ways. And you might need to challenge some of your uh, behaviours. You might need to stop some things, do things differently, repent of, of evil that you have done. You might need support to change your ways. But that we would say, We will follow your way. And lastly, is to pray that God's kingdom would come. Because when the kingdom of God comes, women won't need to feel unsafe, ashamed, broken. When the kingdom of God comes, he says he will wipe away every tear from their eye. He will heal the brokenhearted. He will set the captive free. These are the things that John spoke on last week. And that is the kingdom of God, and that's what we need to seek. And our part is to follow him and do what he has said. Amen. Let's just spend a couple of moments and just pray. Bang, come up if they want. You can get yourselves ready. I want to thank you all for your participation in the chat as well just scrolling through that and as we've done in the past few weeks I just want to give us an opportunity to allow God to speak to us to minister to our hearts Um, if you have a word you can put it in the chat in on the YouTube Um, I was corrected on something I said last week because if you do put a comment in now it will not last It will disappear once the recording stops uh, because we refresh it. So that might be good. So you can put it in now and if it's wrong, don't worry, it will be gone in in an hour's time. But it might be a blessing. So let's spend a few moments and just open up our hearts to God. Say, God, will you speak to us? If there's any business you need to do with God, I encourage you to do it right now. Don't leave it. Lord, we come, Lord God, and we just ask that you administer truth to our hearts. Where the enemy is sowed lies, Lord, may you bring truth. May you bring healing. May you renew our minds by your spirit. Lord, I don't want to be a man of the world. I don't want to be part of the problem. Lord, I want to be part of your solution. Lord, I want to be part of your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that you give us hope because in you there is an answer to sin, Lord. There's an answer to evil. Lord, and will we just submit ourselves? Will we humble ourselves and bow the knee before you and follow you, learn from you to be like you? Just give a moment and see if God wants to bring any words. Again, if you've got a word, if you've got a picture, if you've got a scripture, then just to share that. You just have that picture of, of a flame, and, but there's a small flame that has been, kind of feels like it's been suppressed and is kind of like a fire that's just about still burning. And you fear that your flame is going to go out. Lord, will you come and breathe upon that flame, Lord God, that it might be a roaring fire.